This morning, we're beginning a brief new sermon series on the short letter of Philemon. We're calling this sermon series Valued and Useful. It'll probably be three parts over the next few weeks. And this morning, we're going to be reading the first seven verses of the letter to Philemon. Philemon 1 to 7, the the, uh, verses will be up on the screen. You're also welcome to follow along in the Bibles in the pews if you so desire. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. This is God's word for us today. When we lived in Nigeria, Abraham would often come and visit me. And Abraham is an upper middle-aged guy. His hair and beard are at the salt and pepper stage. And he really liked the traditional dress for men in Nigeria. So he'd show up with these long, billowing robes with billowing sleeves and billowing pants. He'd sort of come floating down the driveway almost. And I'd welcome him in, and we'd sit down on the porch, and we'd start to talk. And we always began with greetings. And the questions varied, but there were always a lot of questions. How was your night? And usually you'd say fine. Sometimes you give more detail, but how was your night? Fine. How was your day? Fine. How is your family? Fine. How are your parents back in America? Fine. How are your uncles and aunts back in America? Fine. How are your grandparents back in America? Fine. How are the other teachers here at the school? Fine. How are the other pastors here? Fine. How are their children? Fine. How is the work? Fine. How are the students? Fine. And the questions would go on and on. And you may guess by my tone of voice that I sometimes found this a little bit of a trial, right? We would often do greetings for half an hour. Sometimes an hour if he was really in the mood. How is this? How is that? How is this? How is this? How is this? How is that? How is this? We wouldn't do that here in Chicago, right? Here we might wave, uh, hi, good to see you. Got to get on with my work. But for the most of the world, that would be a weird way of doing greetings. In most of the world today, and in the ancient world for sure, greetings were not just a quick wave on the way by. They're a relational check-in. They're a way of reminding the other person that you have this relationship. And they're also often a way of reminding the other person that you share a whole set of relationships. That you somehow belong to a community together. And I found over our time in Nigeria, too, that greetings were sometimes a way of sort of gently introducing topics that might come up in a stronger fashion later in the conversation. For example, if Abraham asked a lot of questions about my family, he might have a sick child and he wanted some help paying for some hospital fees. Or if he asked a lot of questions about how other pastors and teachers in the area were doing, he might have some new ministry proposal cooking that he wanted to run by me. Or if he asked about a lot of people far away, he might be wanting to do some traveling to go to a conference or go see some relatives far away. And and so he'd want to sort of get that topic on the table through the greetings. 
The greeting time established a connection, and it also laid the groundwork, laid the foundation for some things that would come later. And that's what greetings in the New Testament letters do too. Often when we read letters like Philemon or other letters in the New Testament, we just blow right by the beginning, the greeting section, sort of, yeah, grace and peace and some people and whatever, get on. But these greetings are often tremendously important. The book of Philemon that we're going to be spending some time in the next few weeks is all about relationships. It's all about relationships. And even the first few verses that we read this morning highlight that. For how short this letter is, it's just 25 verses, it's one page in the Bibles in the pew. But for how short it is, there's a surprising number of names. Paul includes himself as the author, and then he mentions Timothy as, as a brother in the faith, as someone who's working with him. And he addresses the letter to Philemon, who is the one recipient of the letter, but then he also greets Sophia and Archippus, and then he greets the whole church that meets in their home. That's a lot of names, a lot of people for a short letter like this. And it also shows us that Paul isn't writing just to Philemon. He's writing to the whole church. This is a letter to Philemon that would have been read to everybody. It'd be like if you got a letter or an email, but instead of you reading it yourself, we had to bring it up here right now and read it to the whole church. Philemon is a letter that's all about community, and all about relationships. And Paul is writing, and here at the beginning, we see Paul giving a picture of what he thinks the Christian life ought to look like. So we'll explore that in three points this morning from the beginning of Philemon. After the list of names, Paul writes in verse 3, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul intends that to be a foundation for the whole letter. And he intends us to understand that God's grace and peace, God's grace and peace equip us to serve. And he uses those two words, grace and peace, together. He could have said joy and hope. He could have said love. He could have said any number of things. But he says grace and peace. And I think there are two things Paul wants us, two pictures Paul wants us to have with that. When Paul talks about grace he wants us to think especially of Jesus Christ. The whole Bible is full of God's grace. God is our gracious Father. He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. But when Paul talks about grace here, he wants us to picture Jesus Christ. He wants us to picture the selfless, sacrificial love of Jesus for us. He wants, to picture, he wants us to picture the grace of God that we find in Jesus Christ dying for us. Grace to you is Paul saying, Jesus Christ given for you. And when he includes peace, that's a deep, deep word in the, in the whole Bible. But in the Old Testament, the word there is shalom. And shalom is a word that gets at this sense of everything, everything being perfect, things being just right, things being just right between us and God, between us and other people and just right within ourselves. So in just this brief opening, Paul wants us to picture Jesus Christ sacrificially dying for our sins, and he wants us to picture a place, a world, where everything is right, where we are at peace with everybody. 
God's grace sets us free. God's peace gives us the ability to have good relationships with everybody. Here at the beginning of Philemon, with just those few words, with just that phrase, Paul wants us to have this picture of God's grace and peace transforming us and equipping us to serve. And then as we continue in this story, our second point for this morning, as God's grace and peace equip us and as they overflow in us, we come more and more to express our love for others. God's grace and peace are a spring in us that wells up into love for other people. In my uh, middle school years, we, for some reason, and I have no idea why, for some reason we had one of these in our house. We had a water dispenser tank, which was weird because we didn't have a water dispenser, but we had one. And it was one of those old, old ones that was made of glass, kind of a memento or something. So it just sat in our garage for a long time. And then one day, one day my brother John decided that it would be interesting to try to make a fountain out of it. And the theory, I guess, though I've never had it quite adequately explained to me, to be honest with you, the theory is that if you stick a hose in there and you turn the hose on and you kind of wrap the top up a little bit so there's only a small opening, you can get kind of this fountain shooting out. So my brother sets all that up. He turns on the water and the, the hose outside and he lets it sit for a while. And then, as you might guess, the water just kind of bubbles out of the top, right? Just kind of blah, blah, blah. So he gets the opening tighter. And he gets a little more pressure, but not what he's looking for. So he keeps making this opening around the hose tighter and tighter and keeps turning the amount of water going into the tank up and up and up and up. And at some point, he gets a really good seal and he steps back for a little bit and looks at some other stuff. And if you're a science person at all, you may see where this is going. If you take a glass vessel, given dimensions, you keep putting more water in and you prevent the water from getting out, the pressure goes up and up, and up, and up. And if you seal the top up too much and the water can't get out, eventually the thing explodes. And so you get this watery explosion, which is a really interesting sound, sort of a boom. It's really loud and kind of cool. I maybe should mention that my brother eventually joined the Marine Corps, kind of seemed to fit his life experience. Well, anyway, all of this is happening in the side yard, and I maybe should mention that on the front porch, we were doing foster care at that point. On the front porch, the foster care social worker had just gotten there to do our annual review of house safety. And did I mention that a tank exploding is kind of loud? Boom! So all of us kids come wandering out of the house to see what's going on, and the social worker and my mom come around from the front porch, and we all kind of stand there, and, and we stare at these glass shards laying all over the side yard, and this really amazingly widely dispersed puddle of water from this explosion. I will leave the rest of that scene to your imagination. So I called my brother this week to ask permission to tell the story because it doesn't put him in the best light, right? And we laughed and we laughed. He said, yeah, tell the story. Mention one of the Marines afterwards. It's all good. So um, if you're in a tough parenting moment, your kids will look back on this moment and laugh years down the road. You will not, but your kids will. Just a little encouragement for those of us who are in a tough parenting moment. But whatever is inside of a container, whatever is inside of us will eventually overflow. And that works for bad things, but it also works for good things too. As God's grace and his peace work more and more into our lives, 
we overflow. We overflow in acts of service to others. We overflow in love for other people. If we are really filled to the brim with God's grace and peace, then it will just automatically overflow into our lives. And as we follow the Lord more and more, it comes out in an overflow of love. That's a lot of what Paul is talking about in verses 4 to 7 of Philemon here. He's heard about the love of Philemon for all God's people and and this man's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says he's been encouraged by this himself. And he says that Philemon has refreshed all of God's people. There's a couple levels of benefit here. As God's grace and peace overflow out of our lives, the people we serve, the people we care for, the people we express God's love for directly benefit from it. But there's also a second level of benefit. As we follow the Lord more and more, as our lives abound with and overflow with His grace, we become a witness to other people. The service that we do, the love that we give to people directly is an encouragement to them. And indirectly, it's an encouragement to many, many people around us. Sometimes in our lives, the love of God just overflows a little bit. There's sort of this steady trickle. And sometimes God works explosively in ways that we would never expect, in ways that we draw people we would never expect to come in and see the Lord Jesus. Now, sometimes when we think about this, we think, oh, that's just so abstract and so out there. And I, how can I actually do that? Let me give you just one small example of how people here at Faith, people in our community, are doing this. It's not a perfect example. It doesn't speak to everybody. But let me give you just a window into how this works. A number of people from our church regularly serve in one way or another at the new-to-you resale store in Broadview. It's a resale store, so, you know, volunteers receive donations of used stuff. They sort and price the donations. They sell them to people who come into the store. So as these donations come in, And people from our church, from any number of other churches, they receive these donations. And they help people get rid of their junk. And one of the greatest needs we have here in America is getting rid of our junk, to be honest with you. Our closets and our basements are overflowing, right? We have a good place to go with it. And these volunteers, they sort it, they price it, they put it out. And then people can come and they can buy decent goods at decent prices. And that's a benefit to the community. And then the money that's made from this and the fact that the store is mostly run by volunteers means that a pretty reasonable percentage of the money goes to benefit students who are going to Christian schools. The profits from that store go to Timothy across the street. They go to Chicago Westside Schools and to Daystar that minister in some other more challenging neighborhoods in Chicagoland. There's a cycle of service that a lot of good comes out of there. Even little things matter. A lot of our Christian service doesn't generate these huge explosions of grace and peace in people's lives. But even the little things that we do add up. Following the Lord, having, expressing His love for other people might mean moving to Africa. Or it might mean driving down Roosevelt and helping sort some stuff and drink some coffee and talk to some people. You might... And hear this for yourself. You really might be blessed to bless other people in incredible ways. 
you may have the opportunity or you may already have had the opportunity in your life to work in someone else in a way that changes the whole trajectory of their existence. You may have that opportunity. Or you may just have the opportunity day after day to do small acts of service, to express love in little ways day after day. Whether it's big things or little things, we often don't see how the Lord works, but we can be confident that the Lord always works when we are serving Him. Always. Always. The Lord is at work putting His grace and peace into our lives and using the overflow of that grace and peace for the good of others. And there's another dynamic here. As God works in us, we overflow into love and into service for others. And as we do that, as we give our love away because God has given us his grace and peace, as we do that, we grow in the grace and peace that we experience. As we express our love for others, we more deeply experience God's grace and peace. Paul gets at this, especially in Philemon verse 6. And let me read that for you again. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. And that doesn't just mean evangelism. That means living out the Christian life so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. As we partner in ministry, as we serve the Lord, we grow in our understanding of Him. As we sacrifice for others, we gain more of Christ. And as we gain more of Christ, as we grow in our faith, our love, our understanding of Him, we sacrifice more for others. And as we sacrifice more for others, we grow deeper in God's grace and peace. And this cycle builds and builds over the course of the Christian life. Look at really mature believers. And we are all in process, right? I'm not telling you to think of a perfect believer. But think of someone in your life who you look up to in the faith. That person who comes to mind when you think, boy, when I get to be that age, I really hope I'm like that person. They really, to me, are what a Christian looks like. And every mature believer is gloriously different in the Lord, but one of the things that Christian maturity brings is a marvelous ability to give things away. Some people, as they grow in grace, are tremendously able to give away money and possessions and and to trust that the Lord will provide. Other people become tremendously able to give away their time to, to babysit, to mentor, to sit with those who are suffering, to volunteer, and to do all of that with great grace and patience. Some people, as they grow in the Christian faith, become more and more able to use their power and influence to help other people. They become more and more adept at using their power to benefit not themselves, but others. And we could go on and on. Every Christian who grows in maturity demonstrates this in a different way. But as we grow in God's grace and peace, we are able more and more to give, 
to give things, to give ourselves, to give our time away. And the more we give away in Christ, the more we get back. The Lord works in us to increase our capacity to serve others and to increase our capacity to understand and to love Him. That glass container that I talked about earlier, it had set dimensions, and when it got too full, it just exploded. But the Lord works in us so that as He fills us more and more with His grace and peace, our capacity increases. The Lord works in us so that we have more and more ability to understand the Lord and more and more ability to accept His work in our lives. Now, I have to admit that up to this point in the sermon, I've been talking a little bit as if the Christian life is all this glorious trajectory of things getting better and better in our lives, being more and more gracious and peaceable and everything just being wonderful. And I could give the impression that I'm not actually talking about any of our real lives. Because unless you are incredibly exceptional, your Christian life has not been an easy progression from height to height to height. For all of us, the Christian life is a series of peaks and valleys. It's a series of making progress and regressing. But God works in us even in that. I'm not saying that God just pours grace and peace into us and we overflow in love for others and we come to know the Lord more and there's never any hiccups or bumps in the road or trouble. That is not what I am saying. But I am saying that if you look at the trajectory of a Christian's life, you should expect to see movement up. You should expect to see, compared to where you were a year ago or a decade ago or 50 years ago, you should expect to be able to look back and to see how God has brought you to know Him more. And if you can do that today, then thank God for His work in you and keep on working. And if you can't do that today, if you can't look back and see progress, well, ask yourself if there's extenuating circumstances. If life has been hard, if there's been losses, if there's been challenges, God is gracious. Be gracious with yourself. But if you feel like you're at a place that you could grow or you could have been growing and you just aren't, if you're at that place where you want to know God more deeply but you just can't seem to get there, then let me suggest a little experiment for you. Ask yourself, if God's grace and peace were filling me to overflowing, what would my life look like? As much as I can see right now, if God's grace and peace were just overflowing in me, this is what I might do. And if you can come up with something that you might do, even if you don't feel like doing it right now, do it. You see, there's this cycle. As God works in us, we work more for Him. And as we work more for Him, He's more able to work in us. So if you feel like you're a little spiritually dry, if you feel like you aren't growing as much as you want to, live like you are. Follow God as if you were overflowing with grace and peace. And almost without exception, along the way, you will come to overflow with grace and with peace. If you are blessed to have God's love just automatically overflowing out of you, then live that way. And if you aren't, live that way anyway and see what God does. And God works in amazing, amazing ways.
God works in us so that we can work in other people's lives. And then as we work in other people's lives, God continues to reshape us to help us understand him more. The way we experience deeper life is by giving our lives away. The way we experience deeper life is by giving our lives away. And when we do that, all we're really doing is embracing the pattern that Christ shows us. Christ himself gave his life away for us. Christ gave his life away for us. And so out of his infinite resources, out of his grace and peace, he gives us what we need to give our lives away for others. I'm going to wrap this sermon up by taking us to our church's mission statement. We'll put that up on the screen and I'll read it. This is our church's statement of where we want to go, what we want to be. Faith Church is called to experience God's word, to express God's love, and to equip God's people. Let me read that one more time. Faith Church is called to experience God's word, to express God's love, and to equip God's people. Now, I did those in reverse order in this sermon today, but you might notice those are basically my three sermon points. And that's what we want to do at faith. And that's what Philemon calls us to. We want to dive deeply into God's word. We want to more deeply and profoundly experience the truths and the new life that God shows us through Jesus and through the scriptures. And we want to be expressing God's love. We want to be living out God's love here in our life together and more and more in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces, in the whole Chicago area and around the world. And as the Lord enables us, we want to express his love to everybody. And that's that equipping bit. That we can only do that if the Lord equips us his people. And there's a number of entry points into this cycle, but these three things should be a cycle that draws us closer and closer to God. As we're more equipped, we express God's love more. As we express God's love more, we experience His Word more. As we experience His Word more, we become more equipped. As we become more equipped, we express His love for others. And we grow deeper and deeper in the Lord. These first few verses of Philemon give us a picture of the Christian life. And it's a picture of the Christian life where we live where we live because Christ died for us and gave us new life. It's a picture where we live at peace with God and at peace with others and at peace with ourselves. It's a picture where God's grace and peace overflow out of us into other people's lives. And it's a picture that we're always going deeper and deeper into as we learn more about the Lord and as we live out His will for us. Let's really own that vision, that calling, that gift, that we as a church are called to experience God's word, to express God's love, and to equip God's people. In God's grace and peace, may we all experience the fulfillment of that calling here. Let's pray. Father, we pray that for each of us, you give us your grace and your peace. 
Father, if we've never really grabbed hold of, if we've never really accepted, if we've never really owned the grace that you give us in Christ Jesus, we pray that you work in our hearts to help us receive that grace. And Father, if we're conflicted, if we are not at peace, if we are trying to follow you, but life is just full of bumps and bruises, Lord, we pray that you give us your peace. Give us peace with you. Give us peace with those around us. Give us internal peace so that we can truly rest in you. And Father, we ask that you work in us, that that your work in us overflows into us working for other people. Lord, we pray that you help us to come to know and to understand you and your will more and more and more to show your love and your ways to those around us. Father, we we come to you only because of your grace. Our only hope is in the peace that you give us. We love because you first love us. We pray that you help all of us to grow closer to you. Amen.